Why don't we just praise him real quick? God, I worship you, Jesus. God, I magnify you, Jesus. I truly believe if we lift up our hands and worship our God, he's gonna move in this place tonight. Lord, I magnify you and I praise you, Jesus. You have been so good to me. You have been so faithful. You have been so kind. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. As always, it's such an honor and a privilege to stand behind um, this desk here. It has a way of making me feel so very small. And I'm so thankful for my leadership. I can't just help but think of what Brother Young preached about on Sunday and getting behind the vision of your pastor. And without my pastor, I would have never seen myself being a youth leader. I didn't see that for my life. And I would never would have seen myself somebody that had failed speech twice in college. Um, as being a minister of this word, but I'm so thankful that I bought into the vision of my pastor. So thankful. I give honor to my wife. She's my help, my strength. She is everything. She's everything to me. And it's so good to see the, the bolding boys here today. Um, these guys, uh, lived right down the street from me in my childhood home and uh, I felt as though I put them through a lot of grief. Um, there was a period in my time where I thought toilet papering was a real good time and would toilet paper their house about every week and so my uh, formal apology is given to you today and I apologize for that and they still clean it up each time even though they knew it was me. Uh, praise God. If you want to stand for the reading of the word, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. And I know I'm just the youth pastor, and I know that I am nothing great, but I truly believe I have heard from God today and I believe that there's a momentum building in this church there's a momentum in the spirit and I believe if we can truly tap in tonight and be obedient to the voice of God God's going to do some mighty and miraculous things how many believe that amen first Samuel chapter 30 verse 8 says this and David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. And he answered him, Pursue. And I want to preach to you today about it is time to pursue the enemy. It is time to pursue the enemy. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of feeling tired. I'm tired of feeling back down. 
I'm tired of feeling the attack of the enemy. I want to gain ground in the Holy Ghost here tonight. I want to pursue after the enemy. If you believe that, give up a shout. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you believe that, say amen and you can be seated. Amen. In our text here tonight, we find David in his most frail of forms of existence. We see that David, the mighty warrior, the anointed one, a man of God, through the lens of human frailty, after years of tiresome e evasion from the wrath of King Saul, David, in a moment of weakness, flees to Gath, the land of the Philistines. And in this fragile state, David begins to doubt and deny the protecting hands of God and says, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in the coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. No longer within the grasp of Saul, David takes his army and his two wives and acquire residence among the enemy. The Bible says that David finds grace in the eyes of King Achish and works out a deal with him. David agrees to work as a mercenary for King Achish and brings the spoils of war to Gath. In return, King Achish gives David the city of Ziklag as a place of refuge. The Bible specifies that David dwelt in the land of the Philistines a full year in four months. For almost a year and a half, David is fighting the wrong war. Instead of fighting for the Lord, David is fighting for the Philistines. For a year and a half, there is no dialogue between God and David. For David has fallen out of the will of God. In chapter 30, we see David and his army returning from the land of the Philistines back to Ziklag. While David was gone, in true predatory fashion, the Amalekites invaded the unguarded city of Ziklag from the south. With all the men of war gone, the Amorites made haste through the city of Ziklag and burned the city with fire and took captive all of the women and children. And as David and his men crested the hill, awaiting and looking forward to seeing their wives and children, they find their city of refuge burnt with fire and empty. In the absence of their families, we find in the Bible a verse that's so descriptive that it's emphasizing the grief that David and his men experience. Verse 4 says, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. David, a man of war, understood the atrocities that happened to prisoners taken captive. If they were not slaughtered on sight of the attack, they would surely be killed later or sold into slavery. David, knowing all too well of the fate that laid ahead, 
of his wives. He was so grieved that he and his men no longer had power to weep. As grief turned into rage, David's men seek retribution and point to their leader as the cause of their pain. Verse 6 says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David, although distant from God here, finds himself in a prayer room and encourages himself in the Lord his God. See, David didn't dwell in the grief. He didn't muddle in the guilt and the shame with his family gone, with his own men threatening to kill him. He has no home to return to, persecuted from both sides. In desperation, David called upon the lifter of his head and found strength in prayer. In verse 8, we find an unexpected request from David unto the Lord. Verse 8 says, And David inquired at the Lord, Shall I pursue after this troop? If an attack was ever warranted, it was now. David had every right to take vengeance over his enemies who have taken his own family captive. Yet David inquired at the Lord. You see, David here had an understanding that being in the will of God, being in the will of God was his utmost importance. Rather than reacting to fear or anger or the desire of retribution, David sought after God's will. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answers them and says, Pursue. There is a spirit world, whether you acknowledge it or not. We are in a war. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. There is a war going on, whether you realize it or not. We are all participating in a spiritual war. It is light versus dark. It's the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of hell. It is the world versus the church. Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 says this, And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. I am speaking to a group tonight that have felt the effects of this spiritual war. I am speaking to a group tonight that have experienced the violent attack of the enemy. The enemy has attacked our families. He's come against our young people. He's been attacking our marriages. He's been waging a war against our minds. He's come against our finances and our jobs. We've all been subject to our adversary, the devil. 
We've all been subject to our adversary, the devil, and his attacks. The constant threat, the persecution of hell has resulted in some of us just playing defense, just trying to survive, just trying to make it another day. But I'm here to declare that tonight, that's going to come to an end. Tonight, it's going to come to an end. I need some of those that can tap into some spiritual warfare and tap into prayer. Lift up your voice right now. Speak it in faith. It's time that we pursued the enemy. In a prayer room tonight, or this afternoon, I was seeking God. I just didn't have any direction, and I was getting stressed out because it's coming down to the wire. But I do know that I do not want a ministry that is not spirit-led. And anything that I do for God, I want His hand to be upon it. I don't want it to be my will, my own thoughts, my own intellect. I want it to be purely God's. And so when pastor had asked me to preach on Sunday, I have done everything that I, have know, that I know to do to seek the voice of God. And in a prayer room tonight, or this afternoon, I heard God's voice so clearly. It was just a clear word of direction. And that word, it is time to pursue the enemy. It is time to pursue the enemy. I am tired of playing defense. I'm tired of just withstanding the attack of the enemy. I'm, I'm ready to take some ground in the spirit. I'm ready to war, a good war. I'm ready to fight in the spirit. I'm ready to intercede on behalf of our loved ones. I'm ready to intercede on behalf of this youth group, on behalf of the people of this church. I'm going to engage in some warfare. I'm tired of being passive. That's okay. Just do that right now. Let's put it on pause right now. Jesus, we need you. That's it, that's it. Worship him. Over the last few servants, services, there is no denying that there is a momentum building within this church. There's a mo momentum building up in the spirit. Now is not the time to get comfortable, Cornerstone. Now is not the time to be okay with partial victory. Now is not the time to be okay with 
just a partial breakthrough. Now is not the time to be okay with just one battle won. Now is not the, be, the time to be just satisfied with good church. Now is not the time to be satisfied with one just good prayer meeting. I will not be satisfied. I will not be satisfied until I have won the war. I'm not okay with just winning battles. I want to win the war. I want to win the war. I want to win the war. I want to bring the attack into the enemy's camp. But we've had some amazing services. Some amazing services these last couple of weeks. It started with Roquela and I can't pronounce his name alongside the pastor as well. Um, but it started at men's prayer meeting Saturday morning. Those that were there, there was a shifting. And there has been a shifting in the spirit. God is moving, Cornerstone. He is strengthening his people. It is time that we quit playing defense and just try to withstand the attack of the enemy. It is time that we put down the shield and take up the sword and pursue after the enemy. We've got the devil on the run. We've got the devil on the run. It's time to pursue the enemy. Throughout the existence of Cornerstone, the devil has slowly been acquiring prisoners. Prisoners of war. Some of you have lost a son or a daughter to this world. Some of our family members have fallen into the snare of the fowler. Sister Reed, I hate to put you on blast like this, but last time I went to your home, I couldn't help but notice your prayer board. And Sister Reed has a chalkboard, a wall filled, I don't know if she still has it, but last time I was there, filled with the names of backslidden young people that have come out of this church. And looking at that board, there's way too many names on that board. There's way too many names on that board. There are way too many lost sheep out there. Lots of them are friends of mine, and some of them are older than me, and some of them are from the previous generations past, but there's a lot of names on that board. And in prayer today, in that prayer room, God placed such a heavy burden on me to pray for backsliders. It's time we go on the attack. It's time we war in prayer. It's time we tap into intercessory prayer and intercede on behalf of our lost children. It's time we take some ground in the spirit. It's time we recapture our lost kids.
It's time we run the devil out of our church, our homes, our marriages, our finances, our kids, our minds. It's time we pursue the enemy. It's time we go on the attack. Come on, we need prayer warriors. We need intercessors. We need women who can tap in the spirit. We need some moms to get a burden for their children. We need some dads to war in the spirit. Come on, do that with me. Come on. I pray for every backslider that's come out of this church. God, I pray that, God, we war on their behalf. Save them, God. It's time we go on the attack and take back what the enemy has stolen from us. I believe we're going to see revival among backsliders in these last days. It's great to win souls, but I want to have my family saved. I want to have my friends saved. I don't want them to go heaven empty-handed. While praying, uh, begin, God begin to show me three things that we must do if we're going to have revival among backsliders. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. Do you have that? Jude chapter 1, verse 20. The latter portion of the book of Jude here gives us almost a guide on how to reach those that walk after their own ungodly lusts and those that have not the Spirit. And in Jude chapter 1, verse 20 says, But ye beloved... Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. If we want to see backsliders come home, we have got to pray daily in the Spirit. We have got to intercede for our lost children. We have to, we have to engage in spiritual warfare. We must pray in the Spirit we have to do what David did. We have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We have to inquire for his will. We have to find strength in a prayer room. The second thing that we must do if we want to see revival among backsliders is in Jude chapter 1, verse 22, and it says, And some have compassion, making a difference. When David was given the okay sign from God to pursue after the troop, in route to take back his family, David stumbles across an Egyptian in the field. The Bible says that this man had no bread or water for three days and was sick. His master had left him in the field for dead. And David asked the man, who are you? And the Egyptian man responds, I am a servant of the Amalekite. Not only was this man associated with the Amalekites, but he confesses that he had partaken in the raid 
at Ziklag. Now David could have easily left this man to die or have killed him just due to his association with the Amalekites. And in a situation where time was of, a, of the essence and David's focus was to recapture his family. Dealing with this Egyptian man seemed as though as a waste of time. But the Bible says that they fed the man and gave him water. And the man's spirit came back to him. If we are going to see revival amongst our backsliders, we must have revival among lost souls as well. When Paul and Silas were chained up in the prison and singing praises unto God, the Bible says that a mighty earthquake came and opened up the doors of that prison and broke the bands of not only Paul and Silas, but everyone. But everyone. Everyone's chains were broken. I petition to you today, if we start teaching Bible studies and, and seeking after the lost and participating in outreach and seeing lives come in this altar and be changed and watch the chains break and fall off of them, there's a chain reaction. There's a synergistic effect that takes place. Not only are the lost going to be saved, the bands of the sinful saved, but the bands that are holding your, your children bound are going to be loosened as well. I believe that. I believe that. Got to start winning souls. Be a part of outreach. Reach for the lost and the chains that hold your kids will begin to break. And if you, the musicians can come. I'm wrapping up here. Why don't we just, why don't we just pray real quick? God, God's talking to us. There's, there's, there's a shift in taking place. God, help us to be obedient to you tonight, God. Fill this place with your presence, Lord. Move in this place, God. Give us strength, Lord. Give us strength, Lord. Give us strength, Lord. The third point that I want to highlight here. Jude, verse 23. Jude, verse 23. Chapter 1, verse 23. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by flesh. Church, we must have a burden for our backsliders. I couldn't help but read that verse. And I was reminded of a dream I had as a teenager. And I am by no means spiritual. I rarely dream ever and rarely is it ever spiritual. But there has been a, a few times where it is distinctive 
that over the years that this, this dream has, has stuck with me. It's ingrained into my mind and I, I couldn't help but to be reminded of that dream after reading Jude chapter 1 verse 23, pulling them out of the fire. I had a dream, I was probably 16 years old, that was in the back of a pickup truck with Brother Isaac Roberts in the bed of a pickup truck going down the highway. Um, and in that dream, the cabin was full of young men like me. There's a couple that the faces come to mind, but the rest, I just know they were either associations or friends. And as we begin to drive down that, that highway, we're in the bed of the pickup truck and so more along the line, along the way that the truck lost control and me and Brother Isaac Roberts were ejected from the truck. But the truck continued to tumble and tumble and burst into flames. And I just remember in the dream of me and Brother Isaac trying to reach into the car to grab our friends, to pull them out of the fire, to pull them out of the fire. And the, the faces that I did recognize in the dream it's of no coincidence that they're not serving God today. And I have a burden for them. And I have a burden for our backsliders. God, I pray that we have a burden for our backsliders. Don't let us just write them off. And don't let them just go and do their own thing. Let us pray and reach out to them and pull them out of the fire. Let us be burdened in the prayer room for our backsliders. Give me a burden, God, for our backsliders. And I want to close with this. If you all stand, I want to close with this. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 18 says, And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Verse 19 says, And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. I got to read that again. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that had taken to them. David recovered all. I come against the lie of the enemy tonight that has been lying to you saying, even if your child does come back, they're, they're too tainted. They've been too corrupted. They've been too defiled. They'll never be the same. They've sinned too great. 
I got scripture and there was nothing lacking. David recovered all. There was nothing lacking. David recovered all. If you believe that and you want to take the attack to the enemy's front, I pray that you come to this altar. Let us engage in spiritual warfare. Let us engage in the attack of the enemy. It is time to pursue after the enemy. It is time to pursue after the enemy. God, use me, Jesus, to intercede on behalf of the lost. Use me, God, to bring back backsliders, Lord. Use me, Lord, to be a witness, Lord. Lord, I want to intercede on behalf of the lost, God.